Welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti, and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded on location at the 2019 annual meeting, the ABA annual meeting in San Francisco, California. I have a wonderful panel of guests, and today we are talking about the uh, the CLE session titled Landmark Construction Decisions and Litigation Best Practices. And of course, this was sponsored by the ABA section of Public Contract Law. And I've been told that it did not have a lot to do with construction decisions. So we're going to get into a deep dive here. But first, I want to introduce my panel of guests, wonderful people. And I'm going to start to my left here. I'm going to introduce first Judge Margaret Sweeney. Good morning. Pleasure to be with you. Welcome to the show. So I'm going to ask for everyone's bios in a minute. But uh, over to, I guess it would be over to your left. (laughs) We have also joining us, we have Judge Mary Ellen Coster-Williams. And then... Next to her, we have uh, Judge Thomas C. Wheeler. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks Happy very much. to be here. And then we have the esteemed moderator. So we have uh, we have Katie Muldoon Griffin. She is joining us uh, right across from me. Welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. So I'm looking for volunteers. Who wants to go first with their bio? So uh, I guess where do you preside and where do you work? I might as well start. I'm Chief Judge Margaret Swinney. I've been at the court for nearly 15 years. Prior to that time, I was at the Justice Department for 25 years. And before that, I was in private practice as well as being a special master of the court. Excellent. Judge Williams. Thank you. I'm actually a senior judge. Just turned senior last year, so I've been at the Court of Federal Claims for 16 years. Prior to that, I was an administrative judge on the General Services Board of Contract Appeals. Before that, a partner in a private practice and an assistant U.S. attorney in D.C. in the Civil Division. And before that, an associate at two different law firms. Excellent. And Judge Wheeler. Well, I'm also a judge on the United States Court of Federal Claims, where I've served for 14 years. Uh, Before that, I was in private practice with the firm of DLA Piper in Washington. And then prior to that, I was with Pettit & Martin, the San Francisco-based firm. Excellent. And Katie? I'm the only one who is not a judge here. (laughs) Does that make us not honorable? I don't want to answer that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm a member of the law firm Smith Pactor McCorder in Tayson's Corner, Virginia. And my practice focuses on government contracts and construction litigation. So I understand there's a little bit of nuance to the topic here. And we need to get into the 50,000 but to get some context to our audience. So I'm looking for a volunteer. Who wants to go? Well, I tell you, if you uh, just to lead off um, with respect to what our ju- this jurisdiction of our court is, unlike a U.S. district court, the Court of Federal Claims only hears cases brought against the United States for money damages. Um, our jurisdiction consists of contracts, tax refunds, in uh, military and civilian pay cases, patent, copyright, Indian claims. And what's so important is that uh, our waiver of sovereign immunity is supplemented by other statutes that allow us to ride the circuit. So even though we're based in Washington, D.C., we will um, entertain cases, try cases in all 50 states. And in times, we've actually had to sit overseas in a U.S. embassy, so it will be considered U.S. soil. Wow, it sounds like a lot of work. It's wonderful. We, we love it. And uh, one of the uh, larger portions of our jurisdiction is government contract, and specifically 
construction cases. Every year we hear at least, or we receive 40 construction cases on our docket. And since uh, 2005, we've adjudicated over 1,600 construction cases. Wow, that's a pretty busy court, right? I mean, that's that's a lot of volume. It is. And in fact, I think what makes it quite uh, an amenable court uh, for construction cases is that we also have bid protest jurisdictions. So we see the lifespan of a government contract from its birth until either its completion or termination. Okay, well, let's transition into the uh, the main topic here. So, of course, the CLE, uh, one more time with the title, Landmark Construction Decisions and Litigation Best Practices. And we did a little pregame. And as I understand, we did not do a lot of talking about the landmark construction decisions. Those were part of the handouts, and this was more about litigation best practices. So I guess in terms of tips and tricks for attorneys out there that want to do better in their practice life, who's, who's mm-hmm. got a few? I have one very short one. Okay, excellent. And, and this is uh, Judge Williams. I always tell my young lawyers, who I love speaking to, to remember their ABCs, both in their briefing and when they stand up to address the court. A, accuracy. Do not overstate anything. Be accurate. B, brevity. Don't talk too long and don't write too long. And C, clarity. Be clear and you hit a home run. Excellent. And uh, who wants to add to that? I love the ABC part, by the way. Well, in our program, we talked a lot about expert witness presentation. And we emphasized credible, convincing, direct testimony is very important. It doesn't matter what kind of credentials you may have as an expert, but you have to be persuasive to the judge by simplifying your position and basically being responsive to the judge's relevant questions. And Judge Sweeney, uh, what, do you, what do you add to that? So obviously we heard from uh, Judge Williams and we heard from uh, Judge Wheeler, but uh, from the bench. Well, this is going to sound pretty simplistic, but be on time and never fake it. If you don't know the answer to the question, just tell the judge that. You can always ask to um, file a supplemental brief on a particular issue, but candor with the court is so important because... Not only will you lose credibility with the court, but your client, by extension, case will be diminished. And Katie, how about from the practitioner's perspective there? I think we talked a lot about um, not just expert witnesses, but also credibility of fact witnesses. Fact witnesses can offer a lot in terms of uh, not just knowing what happened on the ground, but their technical expertise can be really important in construction litigation Excellent. Excellent. So we did a little pregame. And so I was advised that we should talk about tips, experts and alternative dispute resolution. But uh, in terms of experts, uh, what's the advice given there? Well, I I would say that credibility and persuasiveness is more important than what your credentials might be. And we emphasized also it's important for the expert to do his or her own work. You can't delegate this stuff to a group of young people and and expect to survive cross-examination. Any further thoughts on that, good experts? Keep it simple. Uh, These construction cases are usually quite technical. We have geotechnical experts and accounting and cost, and we need to remember to translate all of that into lay terms for us judges. I think that's, I just want to concur with Judge Williams. I think one of the 
experts' most difficult jobs is making the complex simple. And if you can do that, you've done your job. I, I call that the Oprah effect. Like Oprah is a really good communicator. <laughs> and uh, another another uh, person we really like a lot is uh, a podcaster, and his name escapes me right now. It is uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell, very also very good at taking a complex topic and distilling it down. So I think the art of communication very important. So I'm sure from the practitioner's point of view, you agree with that. Absolutely. And another thing, as you mentioned, we wanted to talk about is ADR. And as part of our presentation, we talked about how some of it provides parties an opportunity to work through the issues in a different way than if you're, you know, just opposing parties in the heat of litigation or at a hearing. So some of the judges might have a couple more insights on that. Yes, I think we just need to remember we're a trial court. Construction cases are usually lengthy trials. They can go up to three or four weeks because the projects span years. And, you know, depending on what the government is building here, it can be anything from a pier to a courthouse, whatever. So we need to at least explore mediation because the cost of those litigations are enormous in terms of the attorney time, the client time, expert fees. So if you can take a what would have been a three-week trial and condense it into a couple-a-day mediation, you've saved enormous amounts in time and money. Yeah, I think the time is a really important component. Uh, I've had the, uh, I don't know if it's privilege or pleasure to be in some construction <laughs> litigation. And luckily, it didn't go into full litigation, but just the court dates alone, keeping mm-hmm. your attorney apprised of all the, uh, the updates was expensive. And, you know, you just, you're not free to do your business. You know, you're not free to operate your business as, as you'd like because you're always worried, looking over your shoulder, what's coming down the pipeline at you. And so, yeah, I think expedience in dealing with the issue is, is very important. I, I think also parties have to realize that often construction cases have a lot of gray areas and you're not going to walk away as a clear winner very often. And so mediation is often a, a good resolution of something that's going to be divided down the middle anyway. So are you very uh, pro-mediation clause in some of these agreements? A lot of times the agreements don't themselves include ADR provisions, but once there is a dispute, the parties will talk about the possibility and agree on pursuing ADR. And I think in uh, federal government contracting in particular, it lends itself to that because the parties often want to continue the relationship. They want to figure out how to resolve the issue and move on as opposed to necessarily sort of fighting to the end. Absolutely. And I always emphasize to people that in mediation, the deal reached is their deal. It's not the judge's deal. The judge is merely a facilitator in that. Excellent. So I just have uh, one last substance question for you, just in terms of getting together as a panel. And where was the presentation held, actually? The (laughs) Weston St. Francis. Oh, the Weston St. Francis. Okay, so uh, it wasn't part of the CLE in the city. It was, uh, it was the regular CLEs scattered all over the place. Like, we had to put together a walking matrix it, to book these areas. Uh, it's uh, about a 10-minute walk from from this hotel. The, so is it not part of the CLE? Well, in the my city? understanding of the, the CLE in the city is that those are the ones held at the law firms, and that's why they call them CLE in the city, and then the ones at the hotel are the regular CLEs. That, that's my oh, understanding. Okay. 
of it, but uh, you know, booking these interviews, we put together this walking matrix. So I had to be able to tell everyone how long it would take to walk from one hotel to the next to here. And so, anyway, it's very confusing. But I digress. I digress. But uh, in the course of your uh, in the course of your your time together at the presentation, what was your biggest takeaway? And so, I'd like to give everybody a chance to answer that one. Should we start with Katie? I need to think about that. <laughs> so, oh, I asked a curveball. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to ask a curveball. I have to say, I was surprised that we had such a huge turnout at seven o'clock in the morning, and that people were so enthusiastic about picking up practice tips and asking the panel questions with regard to best practices or how they can streamline their government contract disputes, particularly with respect to construction cases. They had uh, questions um, that were heavily leaning towards um, expert witnesses and um, an ADR. I had a bet with my wife. It was an over-under bet about how many people would come today. Did you win? And I lost oh. big time. Oh. She, she said there's going to be a lot of people there. And, and there she, were a lot of people. She was right. It must be if you work construction, you have to be up early, and so the attorneys are used to it. But um, They do get up early, construction workers. But I must say, you know, the fact that attendees were walking in and taking their seats, even at 6.30, I thought, goodness. And they weren't stopping for muffins and coffee at that point. I, I was pretty impressed. I would have stopped for some muffins, for sure. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I think from the practitioner's side, the other thing that was helpful is not just the judges providing their own perspectives about how to manage the case, but then providing some insights as to what they see from a government counsel as well and how the Department of Justice might handle or evaluate risk in a construction litigation. I think that people realize that our trial court is unique among the trial court judiciary in the United States of America, because as our chief judge said, the defendant is always the government. We are known as the people's court. And I think this uh, panel that we had this morning was emblematic of that, because the practitioners came, the plaintiffs, the government was, was there. And there, were, there was, in addition to listening to the judges, I think there was this real earnest endeavor to understand how our court works. And I received a lot of feedback at the end of the day that it was very practical and very informative. Excellent. Well, we're running out of time for this episode, but uh, my last question for you today, you know, if our listeners, they want to follow up, learn more about the court, uh, learn more about doing things right in terms of a construction case, uh, how can they get a hold of you? And I understand the judges can't tell us anything. So Katie, that comes back to us to share information. Yeah, you're happy to contact me. Uh, email is probably the best, and it's very simple. It's my first initial K, and then my last name, Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N, at smithpactor.com. Excellent. Well, thank you all for coming down. I know you have a busy schedule and, uh, you know, getting over here. Uh, how long was the walk anyway? Was it like 10 minutes? Did I get it right? Was I close when I gave it, the estimate? It should have been 10 minutes. I think it probably took us 20 because we went a roundabout way, oh. but we found our way. <laughs> I got took you. the long cut. The long cut. Did you see some uh, great sights in San Francisco? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's one of my favorite cities. Great, very walkable city. Yep. So, well, anyway, thank fun. you so much for stopping by. And thank also, you, absolutely, absolutely. I also want to thank our listeners because without our listeners, we don't have a show, and that's bad. So, <laughs> I want to say thank you to our listeners. And if you liked our show today, please tell us so uh, in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, possibly Spotify because we just uh, signed up there, but uh, better yet, your favorite podcasting app. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. 
or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank <laughs> you.